Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Branching Out. My name is David Lopez, and today I am joined initially by the Thousand Oaks Acorn editor, Becca Whitnall. Becca. Hey, hey everybody. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we took a week off there and and, and kind of got our sea legs back under us, and, and we're coming back with Branching Out in a big way. Yay. Yeah, so I, I'm really excited. Becca, how are you feeling? It's Monday morning, and I have a way too much energy. Just finished up my coffee, so I'm feeling good. So I, I, I ask you how you're feeling, and 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 really to kind of set up this episode. I had a I had a really interesting conversation with Lori Woodley Langendorf, and she's the founder of All It Takes. And what we're discussing in this next 20 minute interview is is, is mental health. And, oh wow! And how it affects children, and and how we as a society combat that it's it's something we never at least in my generation never even even talked about and now it's just everywhere and and I'm so glad that it's something we we do address now yeah and and I think we get into all of all of that and how the the I don't want to say the stigma has changed around it, but how, how just the awareness of the word mental health is, is something that's more prevalent in society today. Um, and, and I do just think it was a really interesting discussion, and I hope you'll stick around to listen to it. Yeah, I, I wasn't in on the conversation, but I can't wait to hear it. That's true. Good. Thanks for mentioning that. Becca's going to go away. She's going to be replaced <laughs> by Lori Woodley Langendorf. Stay tuned for that interview. Lori, thanks so much for joining us here on Branching Out. It's so great to be here, David. Thank you for the invitation. Of course, of course. It's our pleasure. Um, so, Lori, just introduce yourself to our listeners, and let's just start there. Uh, I'm Lori Woodley Langendorf. I am the CEO and founder of All It Takes. Um, I uh, left the public school um, field about seven years ago after 28 years as a school counselor. Um, to take what I was doing on individual campuses um, and do it much wider. So when did you start All It Takes? All It Takes started in 2010 uh, as an organization meant to focus on youth leadership, health development, environmental um, things. And I was doing it with my daughter. And then she quickly got very busy and went off and did her thing and, and create her life. And I, my background was in youth and education. So we quickly, within about a year and a half, really went full force into serving youth. So you said you had the, the background as, as a counselor. Talk a little bit about how we pivot into, and, and what we're here to discuss today, I think the big topic is, is mental health. Yes. How do we... How did we pivot into that, and how did, when did you start to see the need for this, um, for this, for this change? I think over the twenty-eight years as a counselor, prior to anything to do with the pandemic, I became more and more worried about mental health issues that I was seeing our kids um, be affected by, whether it was diagnosed or not. And it could be things like just not wanting to come to school. It could be things of you know an inability to self-regulate in an upset, right? More and more students were just falling apart in so many ways. And so I personally um, always was very much about building relationships, about building capacity and efficacy. Um, we like to call it serving versus saving, right? That, that we need to be supporting our students to take on 
ownership and accountability, and at the same time, understand their greatness, their value, their significant, unique gifts in the world. And somewhere along the way, I was seeing too much of our students not be able to make a decision for themselves. Okay. I, I, serving versus saving, I love that. I think if, if there was ever a mantra for leadership, that should be it, right? So yeah. I, I love that, uh, that approach. And so this all started, I say this all started, all it takes, about 2012 is when we pivot. And I can't help but look at how social media, all of the exterior factors that a young person is now dealing with grew exponentially in this time frame. Can you talk a little bit about, in your opinion, how that has all shaped what we're dealing with now with mental health and, and, and that discussion? Yeah, the social media, the attachment to a device has separated us from feeling the humanity in one another. So earlier, you know, as a counselor, I, when it first was becoming a big thing, I was just seeing so many times when a student could do something unkind mm -hmm. and then not need to be accountable because they never saw the impact. And when you're on the playground and you see the impact, for some of us, it's, you know, we need some more help in understanding it. But a lot of times humans just like see that they've hurt someone and they're like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Right. But when the social media and the device piece, we lose our ability to see impact mm -hmm. directly. Uh, and I think that it has allowed for us to become separated and more isolated from each other on a human level. I remember thinking when you know, it all started to become a big thing thinking, oh, we got to fight this. And within about a year being like, I'm not fighting this, right? Like this is not going to go away. So I pivoted my mindset because I was deeply worried into, okay, how do we make peace with it? How do we find the balance between, or not even how, first how, but then we must find the balance between what obviously is not going to go away. Mm. And maintaining our humanity with one another. Well, and and I think here we sit in 2023, and it did not go away. Correct. You were 100 percent right. How, in your opinion, have we effectively answered that question as a society? No, I mean, I think as a society, we're still grappling with what it is that we do to find the balance. You know, parents are giving into fit throwing young kids, teenagers, et cetera, have a hard time figuring out how to put a balance on, you know, the time between human connection and the time between, you know, social connection that is device driven. Um, we can't take it away from these kids. It's what they've grown up with. And yet we've somehow thrown our hands up, like, I don't know what to do about it. It's, it's a, it's a battle in, in the mental health field. It's, or concern, maybe not a battle, a concern in the mental health field. It's a concern in education. It's a concern around dinner tables and in families. It's a concern in legislature. It's a concern all the way up to the people who are making money on the games mm -hmm. or the platform, right? All the different platforms. It's it's a big issue. Well, and and I really wanted to start there and, and, and set the frame for what this is pre-pandemic that we're talking about here and how hard it was to be how hard it is to be a young person right now. Oh, and now it's 2020 and there's a global pandemic that's dropping on and life is changing. 
uh, immediately. So talk to me a little bit about meeting the moment and, and how this all came to be at post-pandemic. Yeah. So Meeting the Moment, the film series that just launched and Film 2 is coming up next week, really is um, an additional uh, series that is coming off of the first film that we did in 2020, which was called A Trusted Space, Redirecting Grief to Growth. And again, that's a, a thought around serving versus saving, right? We're, we're grieving. Everyone was grieving in 2020. And that continued all the way through 2021. And it got worse and worse. And then grieving didn't have to just be because we lost somebody. We lost attachment to each other, right? We lost our ability to be in social connection. So all that social media you were talking about that was already concerned became the only thing our kids had. Mm -hmm. Their education was on it. Their, you know, entertainment was on it. Like that's all they had. And then we come back to school. And it's like, no, put that away. And now you have to go back. And that's a different, we can go into that conversation. But like, our kids are just really, this is an uncertain time. It was uncertain in 2020. Our education system is having harder years now. They thought teaching from home was the hardest thing until 2022 came up. And I hear consistently that last year was the hardest year they've ever had. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's one of those things that, as we unpack, and I, I mentioned to you earlier before we started recording that I'm the uh, the son of an educator, so I, I hear a lot of these stories of of what was happening. And this, she's a grade school teacher in K through five, and I think the stories have just morphed into they were always kind of unbelievable stories, and now they're really I cannot believe the story she's telling me for a kid that's in that age range, like so. What are we, what are we, what's our hope here? And that's, I, I look to you as somebody who's in the industry, what's our hope? Where do we go from here? Well, the hope I have, and when you speak about your son, right? Like mm -hmm. I was, you were speaking about him being two and a half. I was like, well, here's my hope is that by the time he gets to school, we have figured this out. Mm -hmm. By the time he's a kindergartner or pre-K that we have shifted mindset from we must be academic driven first and relationships, maybe we get around to them, to relationships first, because when kids trust the setting they're in, and there's a lot of reasons not to trust the world right now. So if we can build trust within our community of a classroom, a playground, a soccer team, then we have their ability to lean in and hear us, to learn and to listen and to take on their own efficacy, to take on their own belief in themselves and hope for the world. Um, there's too much exposure online anymore for us to tell kids, especially as they get older, that this is the way it is mm -hmm. because that's not what they're seeing. Whether it's true or not, safe or dangerous, it's not what they're seeing. So we have to change some things in the education system and our approach to teaching. Uh, and that my hope is that uh, we get there sooner than later and that in time for your son to join school. Well, thank you. I appreciate that 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 effort. And and, and it is, I, I do feel sometimes selfish thinking about it, but you talk about building relationships. And I just feel like that's so important for anybody. And And this isn't stuff that's unique to just education. This is 
for companies, for business. Like we're all trying to re-grasp these relationships and these human relationships. And we're all dealing with having lost it for three years and we're adults. Yep. And and what chance do our children have if we're just not taking the best steps to do it? So what through this video series, what are we what are we accomplishing in the classroom in your in your opinion through these video series in particular? So the six films, there's three topics. One is meeting the moment. What is happening right now? And there's two films in that series. The first one is Educator Forward. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my goodness. Like I just had somebody read it and post on LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, this is so real and so practical. Mm -hmm. What we're addressing is what is happening right now in our classrooms. And from real-time interviews, like this isn't my opinion. This is what we're hearing from educators across California. And film two is the students. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting thing because we're getting ready to launch that. And that, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how many educators are courageous enough to show that film to students and maybe secondary, you know, and have deeper conversations because the relationships that are not necessarily being um, developed right now are hurting our kids' potential to learn. And in education, people are like, we're so far behind, we're so far behind, and the kids are not necessarily catching up in too many settings. And of course, you know, you have communities that are not getting served, and they weren't getting served before the pandemic, and now it's still the same. They just fall further behind. And it's an opportunity for us to really lean into what the research says, every study, every common sense, academic pedagogy, all of it says that we need to be building relationships with students. Mm -hmm. And yet we have a system that is struggling to really understand what that really means. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And to that end, and we discussed this a little bit before I started recording, where Speaking of relationships, where do the parents fit into this whole equation? Yeah. The relationships. So films three, uh, uh, five and six are going to mm -hmm. be about community. And okay. a big part of parent voice okay. will be in those films because our students cannot thrive without a bigger community supporting them to do so. And our education system and our parent, um, all of our parents don't always mesh right? Our parents deserve to have a say in what's happening with their children's education. And our educators deserve to be respected for the expertise on what they do. Mm -hmm. So we have stopped listening to each other. And yet we're telling kids, listen to each other, right? We, as adults, we're not necessarily modeling what we're asking of them. And so when a parent doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't feel welcome, walking into a school, the school needs to look at that. I, I'm shocked to hear you talk about public discourse that I've been broken down. This is this is something that's new to me. I'm being sarcastic <laughs> yes. and I want to make sure that shows up on the podcast here. But um, um, I, uh, I hear that as sarcasm for sure. Yes. Okay, good, good. I want to make sure that came across because we only met about 20 minutes ago. So Absolutely. I, I was being brave I'm today. with you. Um, so, but yeah, can we... And, Talk a little bit more about that greater community and how that all works to you in a, in a classroom and, and, and just really ultimately in making sure the student isn't, isn't neglected in this just because they're outside of 
that community right now. They're just, for whatever reason it may be. Yeah. You just made me think of something in that comment. Like I used to think, you know, our students became before pandemic in schools. I was watching this difference between a student having a breakdown, parents come in, parent, teacher, students all have a conversation. And over my 28 years, there was a change between the students sat in the back corner on a device while the parents and the teachers talked about the student. And I thought that was not right. Like our students should be part of the conversation when we're talking about them. Mm -hmm. And I think that parents need to be part of the conversation when we're talking about what's going on with their students. And for a lot of reasons, that has become divisive. And we need to really look at what we're doing. If we're in education setting, we need to be looking at what we're doing to literally bring parents closer just like we need to be creating atmospheres in classrooms that make all kids feel welcome, our parents are part of the whole system. And, you know, you've heard of the three-legged stool, which I think people have stopped talking about, and we need to not. You know, you've got parents, you've got a student, and you have an education system. And together, a whole child gets grown. Um we can't separate ourselves from one another. And and that means that we have to be willing to be open listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's an interesting, and the reason I was so excited about this conversation is I think societally right now, we all acknowledge that these are massive problems and we all want someone else to fix them for us. Yeah. And, and I think it's until we all decide to come together to push forward that those problems won't and can't be fixed until we're all pushing in the same direction. Um, so in conclusion, though, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you would like to make sure is is known about you, about your series, what you're working on, and, and what's coming next? Is there anything I haven't asked you about? Well, I think you have asked me a lot of really great questions, and I would like to just encourage people to access these films. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent, listen to what educators are saying. If you're a student, you know, ha- either seek it out, which students aren't going to seek out an eight-minute film, right? That they're into, the, they need a forty-five-second thing with attention span today, and so educators or parents can sit with their students and say, you know, look at this docu training, look at this little documentary where there's kids speaking about what they're dealing with. Does any of this relate to you? Because the films create an opportunity for conversation to happen. And there's too many times right now where we're not inviting conversation. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a really good point, Lori. And 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 again, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming down to the ACORN offices and meeting with us. And um, thank you for what you're doing. And you're a great resource to the community and to, and to the state at large. So thank you for all your efforts. Well, thank you for having me here. And I just do want to say, you know, thank you to Cal Hope Schools and Cal Hope uh, for making this program possible. Um, and free for everyone. Lori, thanks again. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate being here with the ACORN. 